What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Wyndham Championship, the final event of the PGA Tour regular season. So be prepared to hear every shot counts. That's right. A three-footer in April is worth the same amount as a 300-footer in August. Get ready to hear that this week. We've got a lot of uh, storylines, but we are going to cover through the golf course, the field, the trends, all that stuff with data to see what we can find and the best way to approach the golf course and approach the way to maybe get a little action down on this event. And then, of course, uh, next week we're going to enter the playoffs and the fields are going to be stacked. We're going to be playing, you know, 70 down to 50 down to 30, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into it. Let's go. Sedgefield Country Club. Yes, a lot of data on Sedgefield. Play this all the time. Donald Ross, 7,100 yards, par 70, larger than average greens, certainly skews shorter on the PGA Tour. And if you look at the correlation model or the regression model, which stats are more highly uh, correlated to success, you will see really one thing that stands out that is driving accuracy. Uh, The point being, uh, that's not the only way to get it done, but accurate drivers of the golf ball have had a higher correlation to success at this golf course than all but seven golf courses on the PGA Tour schedule, okay? It's only seven other courses in which driving accuracy has been more important. You'll see things like strokes gained approach, actually below average. Driving distance, nearly, actually it is dead last. Around the green, below average. Um, it, it, is, it is a pretty unique looking regression model. If you then go from the really strong stats that I showcase on the right-hand side, and again, this is my website, rickrungood.com. I don't think I mentioned that. Bunch of data for fantasy and golf betting. And then you go to the left-hand side, which is just basically every other stat. And some of these stats are a little bit noisier, but what you'll notice is when there is a trend. And last week, I was very candid in saying, hey, TPC Twin Cities is an agent of chaos right? And there's only four years of data around here. And I didn't think the regression model really passed the sniff test for me last week. And what? Half of the guys priced over $7,500 missed the cut. I mean, it's just an, it is an agent of chaos. That's exactly what it is. This does pass the sniff test. This passes the eye test because not only do you get a really high score on driving accuracy on the right-hand side, but distance from edge of fairway, how far you miss when you miss is the highest correlated stat of the other stats. There's only one other course on the PGA Tour schedule in which distance from edge of fairway is more success, uh, more closely tied to success. Right rough tendency is number two. Okay, right rough tendency is kind of a flawed, noisy stat in its in its own right. But what are we what are we what are we putting together here? We're putting together the idea that. Playing from the fairway, giving yourself a chance to hit the green or attack a pin is going to be very critical. The fourth most important stat is consecutive fairways hit, a flawed stat in its own right. But when you have three of the top four stats being driving accuracy stats, that jumps out to me. Driving accuracy, again, shows up over here as well. So you're looking at a lot of uh, birdie and scoring stats on the left, as well as driving accuracy stats. This to me passes the sniff test. When you look at the aerial footage of this golf course and just kind of, you know, mapping it out, it's not particularly long, 
right? You know, 300 yards down the fairway is going to allow you to push a lot of these, you know, par fours, but your, your effective uh, landing area is much smaller because the trees do encroach, um, will impact second shots. This one's actually a little bit wider. This one's probably 45 yards wide, which is, um, you know, it's not super tight, but there's overhanging trees. And if I zoom out here, you'll see there's just a lot of tight tree lined holes in which you can kind of box yourself out, right? So here's 300 yards, and this is effectively playing 34 yards wide. And I would argue it's probably even more narrow than that. You've got to have a little bit of a shot shape to you. You got to kind of get it into the correct. Uh, the correct side of the ferry. That's 30 yards wide. I mean, it, it's it's pretty tight. So as I kind of zoom out and, and look over this golf course, you'll kind of see a similar trend throughout, which which makes a lot of sense. Real quick on this. Ever since I started showing this aerial footage and, and me, you know, mapping out golf courses, um, I've got a lot of positive feedback on this, you know, similar to what I did at, at Royal Liverpool. And I, I do this for most events and everything like that. If this is interesting to you, uh, maybe I could spend some more time each week or, or somehow showing the golf course, whether it's hole by hole. I don't, I, I kind of assumed people didn't want to see hole by hole, but the feedback that I got was actually quite different than that. So just give me an idea if this is interesting or valuable to you. If it's not, that's fine, but I'd rather know one way or another. Back to the key stats here on rickrungood.com. Look at the names that get the best adjusted course fit over the last 36 rounds. Brendan Todd, what does he do? Well, he's very accurate off the tee, and he can get hot with birdies, get hot with the putter. Siwoo Kim is second. Now, this is where I have to point out the course key stats model does not care about your tournament history individually. It is looking at every single golfer in the field, comparing it to every other golf course. Even if you have never played here, you are able to get an adjusted fit number. When you have someone who jumps up on top of the adjusted fit, like Siwoo Kim, who has good success around this golf course, good course history, you have to take that into consideration. Now, of course, Siwoo, there is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Siwoo's success perpetuates the model, and the model shows who's good at those things in which Siwoo pops up. But Siwoo is one golfer of 156, right? So he does not individually impact it in a substantial way. The other thing to consider, though, is that this golf course does have some pretty sticky course history. Uh, you know, guys that play well here tend to play well year after year after year. Sung JM, who we'll get to in a second in terms of the pricing, has four top 25 finishes Three of them are top tens. Webb Simpson, oh, by the way, here's your other, you know, bingo spot. Named his daughter Wyndham. You're going to hear that 500 times this week. 52 rounds around this place. Um, phenomenal record. He did withdraw from this event last year, but he had piled up five consecutive top sevens. We can argue whether Webb Simpson is still that golfer. Russell Henley. And, and think. look at these golfers that are having success here, right? Guys that find a lot of fairways. Guys that can get dialed on the second shot. Um, there's there's a real trend here. Billy Horschel as well, and he's probably just coming off the best week of his uh, last year. But we'll, again, we'll talk about him. So keep in mind, pretty sticky course history around this place. I don't think that accuracy 
is the only way to get it done. But history shows, the stats show that it's going to be really, really beneficial if you can keep it in play. We might want to look at good drive percentage for this week. Good drive percentage is a stat that says, did you hit the fairway or did you hit the green or, or uh, fringe in regulation? Essentially, did you give yourself a chance a shot, a shot at the green? Being in the rough is not a big deal. Being in uh, the trees is horrible, right? That's horrible. So distance of edge of fair, from edge of fairway, things like that. Keeping the ball in play, very, very critical. Lots of greens hit in regulation around this place. So um, if you're tapping into that short game around the green, that eh, might not be a great time for you um, because all of your peers are hitting so many of their greens. Okay, let's look at the cheat sheet and break down this field. Cheat sheet at rickrungood.com. Four golfers over $10,000. Sung Jay, Hideki, Russell Henley, Sam Burns. I find this to be pretty fascinating in terms of these names and how they fit on this golf course or what the public is going to do. You know, Sung Jay has the elite, elite course history. However, he is coming in in some of the worst form, honestly, that we've that we've seen from him maybe in his entire career. I don't know if that, I mean, the bar is very high. Sungjae is phenomenal, but to have missed two out of three cuts, to have missed four out of eight, and to have your best finish be a T20 during that stretch, it's it, it's pretty bad by his own standards. You know, he is not playing to that well-rounded nature of golfer that we were kind of hoping for um, after, after a pretty strong start to the season. Now, he's going to get a big bump from the course history, right? The Wyndham Championship stuff. But I think that he is maybe the most fascinating golfer on the slate this week because I truly am not sure what to do with him. I'm not really sure what the industry is going to do with him. We'll know more when we get to the live chat Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Run Good YouTube channel in terms of what the projected ownership is going to be. But I find that to be completely fascinating. Um, you know, if you look at the power rankings, Sung J M is the in just raw strokes gain total. Raw strokes gain total. You could say, you know, get rid of the Corn Fairy guys, whatever. He's the 20th best player in this field in the last 36 rounds. He's gaining the same amount as Aaron Rye. Uh, he's been worse than Adam Hadwin, right? Just from a pure statistical standpoint. Now, if we get rid of the Corn Fairy guys, the senior guys, Asian Tour rounds, uh, I bet you Sung Jae is going to get a little bit of a boost here, but he's only, he moves up one spot. Nicholas Lindheim, Lindheim drops off and he moves up one spot. So it's not very comfortable to roll out the most expensive golfer in this kind of situation. Hideki at 10,600 got off to a an absolute roaring start around TPC Twin Cities last week. You know, he gained 7 strokes from tee to green on Thursday, which was his best tee to green round ever. And I don't need to tell you like Hideki's one of the best tee to green players ever. So for him to go out and have his best single round ever uh, that should say something. Didn't play well on Friday. Didn't play well on Saturday. Was better on Sunday, right? So those two rounds alone, Thursday and Sunday, he gained like 11 strokes from tee to green. That's kind of what you want to see. He's been really close to putting this together for a while, right? He had the one bad round in the final round of the Memorial. He had the one bad round to kick off the Rocket Mortgage in which he then would go on to miss the cut. The one bad round on Saturday at the 3M Open. You look at his history around the Wyndham, and you're going to find another golfer now who has got uh, statistically good numbers, but it's it's quite volatile. 
He's missed four out of his last seven cuts, but the other three are 15th, third, and 11th. That dates back quite a long time. It dates back about, dates back, dates back 10 years. So again, a lot of questions, not many answers. I think I might prefer Hideki in this spot over Sung JM just because we have seen kind of the really high upside tee to green play from, from Hideki over the course of the last couple of weeks. I wonder if people are going to opt for Russell Henley, who low-key is kind of back to being what you would want him to be. I'm never going to beat up anybody for missing the cut at the Open Championship. I'm just not, right? Unless your name's Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, uh, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy. Like, I'm really not going to beat you up for that. Uh, the game that Russell Henley plays is is an American-style, TPC-style, ball-in-the-air, accurate off the tee, elite on the second shot, hope to get hot with the putter style of golf. I That missing the cut at Royal Liverpool means absolutely nothing to me. Before that, he had piled up five consecutive top 35 finishes in which he is back to being one of the top approach players. How back is he? Last 36 rounds, again, this includes, I'll get rid of, I'll do just the PGA Tour because just just the pure shot link stuff. We could do Euro though. I do have the Euro strokes gained. Uh, so strokes gained approach last 36 rounds, everybody in this field, Russell Henley is the fourth best approach player in this field. Hideki, JJ Spawn, Lucas Glover, Russell Henley is the order. His history around the Wyndham championship is again, elite three consecutive top nine finishes. I think there's going to be a lot of people who go here, right? He's $600 cheaper than Sung Jay. He's $400 cheaper than Hideki. He is, uh, you get the course, the same course history stuff as Hideki, but better recent form. Um, and there's just more question marks about those other guys. So interested to see if Russell Henley is one of the more popular golfers on the slate. Sam Burns is next. I'm, I'm usually more positive on Sam Burns than, than most. Um, you know, his, his style of golf is really good for the modern game and the modern game can spit you up and, and chew you out, and you're going to have missed cuts like the like you did at the Open Championship. Again, I do not care about that. Uh, played well at the Scottish Open, played well at the Memorial, played well at the Charles Schwab. You know, he's he's got that combination of approach play and putting, which is really exciting. The only one thing that I would be worried about, and he's strong enough and long enough to maybe be able to club down around this place, is he is fairly inaccurate off the tee, right? 127th in driving accuracy, 143rd in distance from edge of fairway. So what does that look like? And let's just kind of um, go back here and uh, can I click this and be taken back? Yeah, Google Earth. It's just the absolute best thing ever, right? So so let's look at what a 30, a, a 30 foot distance from edge of fairway means around Sedgefield. And let's find a good... Um, I probably want like a longer hole because I imagine he does have the opportunity to club down a little bit. So maybe I think there's a five down here. Okay. So here's 300 yards, right? So here's 300 yards. This fairway width is 30 yards wide. Uh, so if you go another 10, another 10 here from here, right? 30 feet, another 10 yards. I mean, you are like in the trees right? And, and same goes in the other direction, right? 10 more yards from the left side of this fairway is the cart path, the trees, the big time trouble. 30 feet doesn't sound like a lot. And in reality, it's not. If I missed fairways by 30 feet, I'd be thrilled. But that 10 yards around here 
is a little bit concerning. Here's another example, right? Let's just try to, this is, uh, is this the new back tee box? This might be the new back tee box. 300 yards. He's going to get a little bit of relief, you know, kind of on the, and he might not even hit driver here, but on the right side. But again, 10 yards from the edge of fairway is dead in this direction. 10 yards from edge of fairway, and you get a little bit, but it's not going to be great. So I think that's kind of the concern around Sam Burns. We'll see what the industry does here. Speaking of questions and not a lot of answers, how about uh, the 9K range, right? Adam Scott, Shane Lowry, Ludwig Aberg, JT Poston, and the original JT, Justin Thomas, 9,100 Siwoo Kim. Let's start at the bottom. Um, Because Siwoo, you know, anytime you get him on, like, hey, this time of year, Donald Ross, go to Sedgefield. Remember, he had that one, he had that one round um, a couple of years ago where I think he made one ace. He had another one to like two inches. He just like, he has picked apart this this golf course at times. And he is going to be popular. You know, he's, he's, he's got, I mean, look at this. He got the win in 2016. Fifth and 19, third and 2020, runner up in 2021. He withdrew after losing six strokes putting uh, last year. What do we think about his form? Well, he's missed his last two cuts. One was the open. Again, I don't care about that. And the travelers in which he lost seven strokes putting. So, uh, Siwoo is not a good putter. But is he going to lose seven strokes putting again? Unlikely. In fact, since he's gone to that longer broomstick style putter, he's actually more often than not been a pretty decent putter. You look at, and I know they're not all the same, but look at like, you know, the TPC success, right? I mean, he kind of destroys TPC golf courses, which are different, but they have a lot of similar qualities um, in the way that the style of golf that is being that is being asked of them. I'll be very interested to see what the industry does with Siwoo. I'm probably um bullish, you know, very accurate off the tee. When he does miss, it's by a small amount, 12th in distance from edge of fairway. He can get dialed in from these, you know, 100 to 150, 175. Like these are good, these good short iron ranges for Siwoo. I think it's just going to be a matter of how well he puts around this place. So pretty excited about that. The rest of this range, I'm not, you know, entirely sure what to do with. I'm, I'm kind of hoping there is a little bit of uh, JT Poston losing $260,000 on the last hole, coughing up a solo second, and people saying, oh, what a moron, what an idiot. By the way, and I've talked to some guys on tour about this, him going for it on 18 is an absolute 10 out of 10 play. You have to do that every single time in his position, three off the lead, three ahead of of, of the other guys in, in third. You go for that every single time. I am not at all worried about that. The problem that I have with what Poston then did is he made a four from 98 yards after he laid it up. That's the big mistake. Don't let anybody tell you that going for it was the bad move. Absolutely the correct move 100 out of 100 times. Making a four from 98 yards is inexcusable. Um, I digress. One of the hottest golfers on the planet, right? T6, T6. He makes the cut at the Open Championship, finishes 41st, and then a runner-up finish. He's won this event. Finished T21 last year. His stat profile is one that is generally pretty accurate. 79th on tour in driving accuracy, but in this field, it's probably half of that. It's probably 40th or something like that. Um, playing some some of the best golf of, of, of his season right now. I wonder if that disaster on the 72nd hole knocks his ownership down a couple pegs because I'd be pretty thrilled about it. 
I'm not sure I'm super thrilled about the rest of this. You know, Shane Lowry, I always find to be quite difficult to um, to handicap. You look at his history around Sedgefield, it's not great. His best finish was a T7. That was six years ago. Uh, hasn't played particularly great since then. He had a T23. What he did overseas, the Scottish Open, lost five strokes ball striking. That's a big concern. Um, misses the cut at the Open, whatever. I'm starting to see some some gaps in his game, right? If you scroll back a little bit, when he was playing his best at the, at the beginning of last year, well-rounded, great ball striker, and adding strokes in the short game categories, he hasn't been as sharp around the green. He hasn't been as sharp with the putter. Uh, the ball striking's been good, not great. So that's kind of a tough pull for me. And then, you know, the other one, it, we have to have the Justin Thomas discussion. You know, Justin Thomas, to me... Uh, before I even talk about any of the data, you know, I think he looks quite lost, admittedly. And, you know, I watched him stand over a three and a half foot putt at TPC Twin Cities on Friday for what felt like an eternity. I, I thought I thought my screen was buffering. I thought the stream let out. He was standing over the ball that long. I've never seen him do that. He would obviously miss the putt. Um, it, it, I think he's putting so much pressure on his game. You're seeing it in the putting numbers. He hasn't gained strokes putting, and he's done it once in his last eight, and that was a half a stroke at Detroit Golf Club. He still missed the cut. His approach numbers, outside of one solid week at TPC River Highlands, have been below average, which for JT is well below average, like well below his own baseline. I'll show you that in a second. You know, the driving numbers, he's not super accurate, misses a lot of fairways, 138th on tour in driving accuracy. I'm I'm pretty worried about this. You know, I think the I think he kind of needs a hard reset. He needs to take four weeks off. Can't afford to take four weeks off right now, which is kind of the problem. Um, hasn't played well around this place. I mean, I mean, when you're going back to Sedgefield for the first time since 2016, out of desperation to try to get yourself into the FedEx Cup standing or into the FedEx Cup playoffs, it's not a good sign. Like, why hasn't he played here before? He hasn't needed to, and he probably doesn't think this is a good spot for him. And I would tend to concur. You know, you look at his stat profile, sort this by salary because we'll find them easier that way. You know, this, this trends tool I love, right? Because it shows you how well a golfer's playing to themselves. And similar to what he did last week, he's losing nearly um, two thirds of a stroke per round to himself. That's not good. Uh, he is essentially in this form, in this form, a tour average golfer. Now, the other tour average golfers are priced at 7,100, 7,100, 68, 65, 69. Justin Thomas is 9,100. I get the point, and I do want to be early on Justin Thomas, but I need to see something. So, you know, it, I think this is objectively a pretty big overpay um, for JT around this place, just kind of hoping that he gets his, gets his game in order. And, and I'm not sure hope is a strategy, admittedly. So, um, here in this 9K range, I, 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 I live with Siwoo. I'm happy to go to JT Poston. I think that Ludwig Aberg is... Um, we're going to learn a lot about his game this week, right? Is he going to club down with success? Because he probably does not need... He certainly does not need all the firepower that he possesses around this place. And he doesn't have enough stats to qualify, of course. But um, I, I, think he, I think this is going to be a nice, a nice litmus test for him. 
He has played this event before. Is that right? No, he hasn't. So we'll see. Um, but it's probably a Siwoo, Poston, or Skip situation. I do want to give a hearty congratulations to E. Fletcher, who won our little Listener League contest, our little Pick'em contest for last week. Hideki, Aaron Rye, Eric Cole, Ludwig Aberg, Lee Hodges, and Vincent Norman. That was good for 66 under par. Well done. $405. Fox Force finished second. Uh, congratulations there. Actually, Fox Force had second and sixth. Well done. Uh, the Listener League contest for the Wyndham is in the description. I've kind of just been tinkering around with buy-in, number of entries, the payouts. This is actually more top-heavy payout this week, which I thought was fun. Five spots out of 100. Listen, hey, a little bit more of a a lottery ticket. Let's see what happens. We'll kind of get this figured out. So it's on Splash Sports. There's a link in the description. Sign up, get involved. I think they just added Arizona. uh, I don't know. They're adding states all the time. So uh, check that out. The $8,000 range starts with Steven Yeager. I'm still a pretty you know, flying under the radar, good 3M open. Cam Davis, same thing. This is this is the range where guys played well last week, right? Uh, of the guys who played, um, basically all of them finished top 30 or better. A couple of top 10 finishes in there outside of Adam Hadwin. It was, it was pretty chaotic. Danny McCarthy's here. Aaron Rye, Keith Mitchell, Benny On, Bo Hossler, Chris Kirk, Alex Smalley, Adam Hadwin. That's the 8K range. Let's do a little bit of a deep dive into Steven Yeager because, you know, his, uh, admittedly, his outright number was a little bit scary last week. And I was like, that's, that's a lot of, um, respect for Steven Yeager hat tip to you. Steven Yeager played well, look at the ball striking numbers from this guy. So he's gained, he gained six and a half strokes ball striking last week, the three M gained another six at TPC deer run. He has gained at least three in five straight and outside of the disaster at Colonial, which he still made the cut, so it was probably just two rounds at the end of the... Like, he is consistently gaining three to six strokes in the ball striking categories. And his putter can be good. He's gained in three of his last four. Um, he's capable of losing a lot, certainly. But this is a positive trend. Has he played the Wyndham before? Yeah, he's played it three times. So 2018, T70... 2019 missed the cut. Last year, he finished T13. I think I'm all all aboard the Jaeger train here. I wish he was a little bit more accurate. I wish he was a little bit better from these short iron situations. But this dude is, you know, uh, bred from the Corn Ferry Tour where scoring is a big deal. And we saw the trends or the uh, the notes that, that stand out to me in terms of the course key stats are accuracy and scoring. So to see him playing as well as he is, if I can find his profile here again, is a really, really good sign. So that's of note. Denny McCarthy will likely be the most popular here, right? He's got decent course history. Of the other guys in the 8K range, I think it's pretty fair to say, well, before I say that, let me confirm. Yeah, he's like having by far the best year out of any one of these guys, right? He finished, he's got the runner-up finish uh, to to Victor at the, at the Memorial. He's got a 15th and a 9th in 2021 and 2020 around here. Last year, he actually missed the cut. That's the first time he's missed the cut. Misses the cut at the Open. We like not that we knew that was going to happen, but didn't we say we sat here and we're like, if Denny plays well at the Open, he's broken the mold, right? You, that would be unexpected. He did not play well. He played very, very poorly. But we're going back to a spot in which is much better for him. And look at the last four leading into the Open: runner-up T twenty, T seven, T six, 
One of those was a major championship, the U.S. Open. So, so Denny's going to be really popular. Um, I think an interesting pivot is probably Aaron Rye, right? Aaron Rye, his deficiency on tour is that he doesn't hit it very far. His superpower is that he is accurate, and then he turns into one of the better second shot players. So let's kind of look into this a little bit further. If Denny McCarthy is going to be pretty popular, what can we get out of Aaron Rye? T20 last week at the 3M Open, missed the cut at the Scottish. Again, don't really care about that. T9 at Detroit Golf Club, T24 at the at TPC River Highlands, and a third place finish at the RBC Canadian Open. You look at his stats, look at that. Fifth in driving accuracy, 11th in distance from edge of fairway. How many birdies does he make? An okay amount. <laughs> uh, he's 69th in birdie average. He's 67th in birdie or better percentage. In this field, it's probably half that. It's probably 30th. So kind of closer to what his pricing might be. But I think this is a pretty darn good stat profile and one that could be an interesting pivot when Denny McCarthy inevitably uh, runs away with the with the ownership in this range. If you're willing to forgive for, for some of the overseas stuff, then you, uh, especially in, in terms of Denny McCarthy, then you have to forgive for Alex Smalley as well. So he misses the cut at the Renaissance Club. And before that, ball striking, ball striking, ball striking, right? T2 at John Deere, where he gained eight strokes on approach. T47 at Detroit Golf Club, where he gained almost the same on approach. So that's a pretty bad short game week. TPC River Highlands, T9. I mean, this is this is a ball striking clinic that he's been putting on. Uh, you look at his history here, T29 and T13. So we are, again, if you're willing to forgive for some link style overseas troubles, which I am, you have to forgive for Alex Molly to his $8,100. That is uh, pretty darn good. As we get into the 7K range, I want to do one thing real quick. This is where I really love to go to the trends tool and see if I can find some of these you know, guys who are further down. The okay, so again, last 36 rounds to their own baseline. Then you have strokes gain trend in which kind of uh, levels everybody. Vincent Norman playing to a 1.2 strokes gain per round average. Awesome. Eric Cole, 1.11. Lucas Glover. Oh, sorry. Wrong line. Mark Hubbard, despite the miscut last week, which was devastating for me. 1.05. Adam Shank, 1.01. So those are the four golfers. Is that true? Four golfers in the 7K range who are over uh, one, one stroke per round. We also have to talk about uh, Nicholas Lindheim here in just one second. But let's dive into a couple of these guys a little bit further here. Um, Eric Cole, to me, I think this is a maybe good, not great spot for him. Um, you know, the off the tee stuff is pretty concerning. He's now lost strokes off the tee in five straight. He is not inaccurate. He is not accurate. And he's also not long. That's a problem. Um, it's a problem for a lot of spots on the on the PGA Tour. The thing that I love about him, he just fills it up, man. This guy fills it up. He's 26th on tour in Burrier Better, which is probably like top 15 in this field. And despite the deficiencies of losing strokes off the tee, he's made seven straight cuts. He's got some decent finishes in here. He's a very good putter. All I'm asking is keep the ball in play. Um, if he can keep the ball in play off the tee, I think he has a really good chance. Will you forgive quickly on Lucas Glover, Mark Hubbard, um, maybe some of these other guys that burned you? There are things as good miscuts and bad miscuts. Let's look through Lucas Glover and Mark Hubbard and see. So uh, Glover misses the cut on the number, gains a half a stroke to the field. Uh, was 
a positive player, ball striking, loss in the sh- this is this is no concern whatsoever. If you are concerned about a miscut for Lucas Glover, I think you are reading it wrong. I think you should actually just be more concerned about like his struggles around uh, Sedgefield. Although I will say, most of his uh, struggles at Sedgefield have been putter related. Over his last five starts. He has lost a combined, I'm going to do some quick mental math here, 11, 16, like 18 strokes putting. That's outrageous. He's gained strokes ball striking at TPC or at Sedgefield. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, had a, I was almost called a TPC Sedgefield, right? And I, and, I, and I was making comments about this being like a TPC earlier. My brain, you know, sorry, similar similarities, but this is obviously not a TPC. Um He's played this event a ton, like 12 times. He has lost strokes ball striking once. So can he be that lab golf broomstick putter, gain two strokes with the flat stick and figure it out? I think so. So I think this is a pretty good, pretty easy way to forgive Lucas Glover um, and, and his deficiencies at this golf course before might not be issues any longer. Mark Hubbard, on the other hand, are we concerned about this? Can you hear Oliver? Barking, maybe. Um, this is a little different. You know, he loses strokes off the tee because he's very short, but he's generally much more accurate than he is uh, long. The putter was still very good last week. We did not get the uh, the uh, you know high end approach week that we were hoping to get. He's been one of the better approach players. I think I probably still have this loaded up here. Yeah, I mean, he's the fifth best approach player in the field over the last thirty six rounds. So. I, I still think this is a buy spot for Hubbard, though I am a l- slightly more worried about it than um, Glover because we might just be like on the tail end of him starting to figure something out with the approach play, right? Like if he's just lost that a little bit, I do worry about that. So those two guys I'm, I'm willing to buy back in on, but I think I prefer uh, Glover over Hubbard. Mentioned it last week. Garrick Higo is truly rounding into form. He's truly playing a lot better golf now. He's got the T13 from last week, T19, T21, T33. So in in essence, you'd be like, okay, well, he's going to you know, continue to improve. That would be really nice, wouldn't it? I would, would exercise caution um, because the skill set that Higo has and the skill set that I've been so excited about for the last couple of weeks and I've been rewarded for such is not necessarily great for this golf course, right? I, I When he starts spraying it, he's going to get into big trouble around this place. So I'm going to exercise a little bit of caution on Garrett Higo. Let's have the Nicholas Lindheim discussion. The reason that he is popping up when you do like raw strokes gained on rickrungood.com is because I have all of the uh, Corn Ferry Tour data, I have all the European tour data, Asian tour, live, senior tour, PGA tour, right? So the last five starts for Lindheim have been Corn Ferry Tour starts. As far as Corn Ferry Tour starts go, it's about as good as you can get, right? Now, this dates back because I think he was injured a bit. This dates back to March. T8, T8, T27, that's his first start back recently. Third, about a month ago, and then two weeks ago, he won the Ascendant at TPC Colorado. That's about as good as a run as you can get. Again, I think he's come back from an injury. That's what kind of kept him out of play. He's played here three times. He's missed the cut in each one, but that dates back to 17, 18, and 19. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. 
He's going to model really well. Um, I wish he was a little bit cheaper than this at $7,100, but the Corn Ferry Tour is what? I mean, is the Corn Ferry Tour the second most competitive tour on the planet? I guess you could argue Liv is. Um, but I think this is a pretty darn good spot for him. Playing great golf coming in here. Don't mind this whatsoever. Finally, before we get to the real value here, Doug Gim, right? I mean, we've been tracking Doug Gim for a while. It's pretty impressive. Uh, we knew there was likely a hiccup coming when he went to the Scottish Open. He missed the cut, no problem. Comes right back, finishes T27, and gets right back into form. 6.3 strokes ball striking, positive putter. I don't care if it's 0.11. If you're a positive putter and you're Doug Gim, that's now five in a row. Really, really good sign. His Wyndham Championship stuff, I think, is stinky. Yeah, three missed cuts in a row. Finished T20 here in 2018. I think he's a different player. I do. What is he? What has he been doing? Go back to the cheat sheet here. Last 36 rounds. Um, piling up fairways. Piling up greens in regulation. Putting better than he's probably ever putted. It's a really good combination. Really good. Okay, $6,000 range. And I think the model is probably going to help us uh, find some of these guys here. But where can we go? Um, Dylan Wu, who has been great for the vast majority of this season, uh, does offer one bit of a red flag, which is the 11.5 strokes he gained putting <laughs> last week at the 3M Open. Now, to put that into perspective, so let me go to the Holy Grail here. Uh, just do everybody on tour for this season. We'll do just the PGA Tour and load this bad boy up and then sort by the best putting weeks of the year, of the season. Dylan Wu just had the best putting week of the season, 11.51. I have Brian Harmon at 11.35 from the Open Championship. Someone sent me a message and said, hey, he actually had 11.58. So it's kind of weird for the Open Championship because um, you know it's not, like a P- it's not officially a PGA. So I had to calculate all of it myself. So to be that close is fine. Uh, but either way, Dylan Wu had like basically the best putting week of the entire season last week. He averaged, averaged six feet of made putts per hole for 72 holes last week. It's 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 an egregious amount. So as good as he has been, that is not going to happen again. Okay? So just just to point that out. Doc Redman is a name we have not talked about in a very long time. Uh and and admittedly and for, you know, friend of the pod Doc, and I'm sure I'll be the first to tell you this, it hasn't been warranted. Um he has got more missed cuts than anything else this year. The guy who you know was previously a, a very solid ball striker and would tell us, hey, he likes kind of short, narrow golf courses, hasn't been that guy. T9 at the Barbasol, in which he gained three strokes ball striking. T30 last week, in which he gained two and a half. This is the <laughs> very low bar. The best three tournament stretch for him. Man. Um... In over a year, seriously, seriously, since since like May of 2021, this golf course, it, it, oh, I, I'm I'm a little even nervous to say this. If I were to zoom out on Doc's career, right, and say there's one golf course on the planet in which I want to put him on, it's this one. Um, T3 here in 2020, T21 in 2022. When he's going well, short, tight, accuracy-driven golf courses are good for him. 
uh, I will then remind you, like, this is about as risky as it gets. Um, I'm not super confident in playing Doc Redman this week, but I want to compare what he's been doing recently to what he's been doing in the last year. And it's a pretty good timing situation. That's all. That's basically as far as I'm, I'm willing to go on that. So good luck. If we flip this around and look at just the top players in strokes gained over the last 36 rounds in the 6K range, Dylan Wu's number one, no surprise. Peter Quest is number two, right? He had the fourth place finish the Rocket Mortgage, the 17th of the John Deere. He's longer than a lot of the other guys uh, in this area, and he's he's pretty accurate as well. He's just as accurate as Andrew Novak, but he's 11 yards longer, which is kind of a kind of a big deal here. Um, so I think that he is worth a consideration. I'd be interested to see how he attacks this golf course. We don't know a lot about Peter Quest. We don't know if he's going to try to just uh, use that distance around this place and maybe get himself into into some trouble or if he's going to be able to club down and how that's going to be able to help him. But um, in terms of raw strokes gain, he's the second best player in this uh, 6K range over the last 36 rounds. Is there anybody else that stands out here? Well, you know, you've got accurate guys like Adam Long, but he's probably not hitting it well enough to to make up for that. James Hahn, pretty much a similar story, right? Although he's made two cuts in a row and he's made two cuts in his last two trips here, but I don't think there's a lot of upside. Is there anybody here who has legitimate upside? (laughs) I'm kind of just asking, right? I do think that a $6,900 Sam Bennett, uh, you know, coming off the miscut to three, actually, let's dive into this a little bit further. These young guys are going to be risky. They're going to have ups and downs. He's missed two cuts in a row. He missed the Barracuda cut. That's not great. Missed the cut at, the TP, at TPC Twin Cities. That's not great. Short game is really, really bad. Hits it well off the tee. Haven't seen that great second shot in a while. Ugh, that's a little bit hairy. What I would do, I'll tell you what. I will do this. Um, we're going to run a model. But before I run a model, I'm actually just going to go to... Oh, I can do this a couple ways. I'm going to go to... Strokes gain, uh, uh, power ranking, strokes gain distribution. You want upside, right? I want upside. I'm just going to go by, let's do last like 100 rounds just because this is kind of a, probably need more of a sample here. Um, How often a golfer gains five or more strokes to the field and then finds somebody in the 6K range? Harrison Endicott. His floor is Eric Van Royen. His ceiling is Aaron Rye and Denny McCarthy. Now, this is round by round. Let's look at Harrison Endicott. Endicott. I believe he's from Australia or New Zealand, maybe. Yikes. Yeah, well, he's having trouble putting four rounds together. That's kind of the problem here. Misses a lot of cuts. Can't put four rounds together. Maybe he's a better first round leader or showdown play. Let's keep going. Will Gordon. Has Will Gordon started to turn his season around. I worry a bit about his uh, driving. Yeah, very powerful. Actually, not as inaccurate as some of the... Oh my God, look at these numbers. His short game is... Oh my God. Oh my God. No, the horror. The horror, the horror. That is about as bad as it gets. Yikes. Okay, <laughs> let's keep... Let's keep trying. There's a reason these guys are in the $6,000 range. Okay, Ryan Gerard, who played well, had a little bit of a slump, and was starting to come out of it. What did he do last week at the 3M Open? He made the cut, gained strokes off the tee. Let's go round by round for him. 
yeah, we're at that point in the show in which we're going to go round by round on Ryan Gerard. It's what you're here for, right? You want the deep stuff. You want you want you want the deep cuts. Okay, he gained strokes to the field in three of the four rounds last week, and then lost all of his gains and then some on Sunday. Look at these two rounds at the Barracuda. Round one, round two, he gains over six strokes in each one of those. John Deere, he's got two pretty decent rounds. I mean, he is capable of getting it going. Okay, Ryan Gerard, that might not be so bad. Where is he? Here he is, $6,600. He's not long, pretty, pretty accurate, accurate enough. Okay, that's not bad. Let's see what the custom model can find us. Custom model, rickrungood.com. You take your 100 weights, you plug them in any way you want. And then it gives you rankings and you can create lineups with it and all that fun stuff. So, okay. Um, We've been saying scoring and accuracy. So let's start there. Okay, let's start with scoring and accuracy. So um, scoring, let's do birdies or better gained for 20. Accuracy for 15. Approach play in the last 36 for 12. Around the green in the last 50 for five. And then we are going to put uh, 15 on Bermuda putting. We have 33 left. We are going to go to short golf courses and we are going to put 10 there. We are also going to put, I mean, it's pretty sticky course history. So we're going to put 10 on Sedgefield. Uh, Sedgefield. There it is. 10 on Sedgefield. And then we're going to put like five on, uh, actually we're going to put like three on TPC River Highlands and three on Harbor Town. Okay, we have seven left. Let's put our final seven on. Let's do the buckets just to be a little, a little wonky. Let's do four on 100 to 125 and three on 125 to 150. My number one golfer is, yikes, Russell Henley. Yeah, man. I mean, it's really good. He's very good with the wedges. He's a, he's a, he's green across the board. All that stuff we put in, his worst rank in any of those stats is, is 20th. Strokes, oh, no, I'm sorry. Birdies are better gained. He's 47th there. Otherwise, he's, it's basically top 20 across the board. Denny's number two. How is it is? Okay. It is a little weird that Denny's $8,700, right? Why is that? He's having probably the best season out of any one of these guys. Is that wrong? You know, he is. Okay. So I, I, I'm sure I guess I missed this last 36 rounds. Raw strokes gained. Get rid of Nicholas Lindheim, who's got a lot of corn fairy stuff in there. Danny McCarthy's the number one player in this field. 1.53 strokes gained per round. He is $8,700. That's wrong, right? Am I, am I missing something there? So he's my second ranked golfer. Brendan Todd, no surprise. He showed up on the course fit. Um, now we're using metrics from the course fit to get here. I will pull up his profile for you just so that you can see what he's been up to as of late. He had that runner up at John Deere. He made the cut at, at Royal Liverpool. What has he done at Wyndham before? Bunch of missed cuts, but a T10 in 2021 and a T36 last year. Sungjae's four, Siwoo five. Yep. Hideki, Adam Hadwin, Sam Burns, 
Alex Smalley, Mark Hubbard, 9 and 10. JT, Justin Thomas, 15th. Carson Young actually models very well here. $6,600, he's 14th for me. Eric Cole, 77, 12th. Ben Griffin, 7,200, 11th. That is quite interesting. Is it not? That's pretty cool. Adam Scott does not grade well on this model. $9,700, he's 38th. Okay, wow. Okay, so that's one model. So that's the 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 Monday Wyndham model, which I'll save and tinker with later. But that was pretty cool. That was pretty fun. Hmm. How popular is, Russ, is, is starting your lineup Russell Henley, Denny McCarthy going to be? Right? Like incredibly popular, isn't it? Hmm. Okay. That'll do it. Go sign up for rickrungood.com. I think you'll love it. I love it. Um, if you don't, I'll make it right. So I don't, you know, you'll love it or you'll get your money back basically. Um, go sign up for the splash contest. Try to win a little bit more top heavy this week. Let's see. And again, if you like the idea of doing some more hole by hole data driven stuff with the satellite imagery and marking it up and mapping it out, let me know. I'm not sure that's for everybody. I do think people that are on this channel already skew towards liking that, right? Like if you're here, you're probably pretty nerdy and interested in that. But I do think it, I don't know, maybe it'll turn people off. Maybe it'll be a segment. I don't know. Let me know. Um, Best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.